G'day everyone. Do you know, I always get the loudest hello at this service. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. <laughs> there we go. Uh, switch back uh, to Jeremiah chapter 1, that's what we're going to be looking at. So uh, turn back there in your Bibles and I'll pray for us as we begin. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, all scripture is breathed by you and so it is all useful for teaching us. But Father, we know that your word is also useful for sometimes correcting us and rebuking us and also for encouraging us. And so Father, we pray that it will do all those things tonight and over these coming weeks as we look at this book of Jeremiah together. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a big uh, focus of our teaching this year, along with lots of churches uh, around the place, I'm sure, has been the Reformation, because it's been 500 years since Martin Luther uh, did what he did and started what we call the Reformation and rediscovered those great truths that we've been focusing on all year. Uh, and in fact, this year has been no different to any other year because they're the truths we always focus on because they're the truths of the Bible, which is that we are saved by grace, grace alone. Don't forget the alone bit. And through alone. Well done. Yeah, good. That's right. And we've been reminding each other of those all year. And uh, that is the essence of the Bible in many ways. Uh, But as part of that, you remember when we actually looked at those truths during the year, we sort of focused on some heroes of the faith, some people from the time of the Reformation who on some occasions gave their lives so that other people could hear the word of God. Uh, others of them didn't give their lives but their lives were certainly threatened so we looked at people like Martin Luther and Thomas Cranmer and people like that Uh, but this term in our sermon series we're going to go back they were back in the 1500s we're going to go another 2100 years further back to someone who I think is a very similar hero of the faith and it's the prophet Jeremiah Uh, and I reckon he is one of the great heroes as we're going to see over the next seven or eight weeks Uh, Like the reformers, he went through absolutely awful things to stand up for God's word. Uh, And like the reformers, he suffered absolutely awful things from people who claimed to be God's people for daring to challenge them to go back to God's word. Uh, But I think, sadly, a lot of people don't know Jeremiah's story. Uh, I was going to sort of do a straw poll and say, who has ever sat down and read the book of Jeremiah? But I don't want to be disheartened as I start... Uh, my sermon given one of our student ministers admitted he hadn't read it this morning but anyway uh, it's it's one of the longest and most complicated books in the bible and in my experience people say to me they start reading it and if you look there they get you know the son of Hilkiah one of the priests living in Anathoth during Josiah and they go oh I don't I don't know I'll go read Mark you know, you know. <laughs> um, uh, and I think so my plan with what we're doing over the next seven or eight weeks is I don't just want to sort of preach eight sermons on a few chapters of Jeremiah. I want to help you read the whole book and understand the whole book. Uh, and so you'll see, if you just open your sermon outline, if you just have a look on the, right on the end of it, you'll see reading, actually it says reading for next week. There you go. It's, it's meant to be next week, unless next week is next week. Anyway, uh, so what I want you to do is each week go home and read the that and I've just tried to give you a couple of headings and that sort of things just to give you the idea of what the the main point of those chapters are and then come next week and we'll look at chapter 7 so that's what we're going to do but the first thing we need to do is understand some history 
Uh, if you're going to understand the book of Jeremiah, you need to understand where it fits in, in, in not just the history of the Bible, which is always important, but actually the history of the whole world. Uh, and uh, I think we always need reminding of that. Sometimes people speak to me, sometimes when you're a minister, people feel free to share all sorts of things with you, their, their thoughts on just about everything. But sometimes people sprout off ideas and they say, oh, the Bible's just about myths and fairy tales and all that sort of thing. And generally I find the louder someone says that sort of thing, the, the less they actually know about anything. Um, but in particular, the less they know about the Bible. They've never actually read the Bible and seen that actually the Bible is a part of history and it fits in with history and to understand the Bible you need to understand the history of the world at the time it was written Uh, and so to understand each part of the book we need to grasp where we are in time and so come with me to chapter 1 verse 1 and the first part is going to be a bit of a lecture on the history but I actually hope you find it really helpful and uh, I think you'll find it quite interesting myself and if not anyway Uh, and so Verse 1 introduces us to Jeremiah. It says, The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests living in Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin. So that's who he was. You're sort of saying, what does that tell me? I haven't learned anything new because I don't know where any of those places or people are. Uh, But what that tells you is he was a priest or from a family of priests at least, living in a little town right near Jerusalem uh, in the southern kingdom of Judah, which also included Benjamin. And then it says, verse 2, the word of the Lord came to him in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. And then so on and so forth through the other kings. Now, all of that confuses us because most of us, sadly, don't know the history of the Old Testament well enough. Uh, But that actually gives us everything we need to know, which is, by the way, is why I was so excited when I walked past St. James before and saw all the people doing intro to the Bible. Uh, and there look to be a good crowd of people there you will be able to understand Jeremiah better when you've done that course so good on you for doing that course but anyway let me give you the history the year we're talking about is 627 BC so that's where we are in history 627 BC and by this time God's people Israel are in a very very sad state so to give you the very very quick story of Israel how did they come about God chose Abraham for no reason just chose him for in the mind of God nothing special about Abraham but God chose him made promises to him and said from you Abraham I'm going to create a great nation and I'm going to give you this land and you are going to have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and then through you I'm going to bless the whole world so he made these promises to Abraham and then in keeping those promises God went and rescued the descendants of Abraham Israel from slavery in Egypt and this is cutting a very long story short he took them through the wilderness through the desert and he gave them the promised land and for a while there it looked wonderful and under king david and then under king solomon they prospered and you really started to think is this it is this the fulfillment of all god's promises the temple was established in jerusalem and people came from all over the world to come and marvel at the wisdom of israel's kings and at the wonder of the temple of their god Uh, but in the 300 years after Solomon died what happened things didn't go well and the heart of the problem was Israel kept forgetting God Israel kept turning their back on Yahweh and saying we would rather worship idols made of stone and wood and they kept wanting to not only worship the idols but then get involved with pagan immorality and so by this time by 627 bc when this starts the whole northern kingdom 10 of the 12 tribes of israel had been wiped out 
They'd just been wiped off the face of the earth, ceased to exist. And all that was left was this little southern kingdom of Judah. They still had Jerusalem. They still had God's city. They still had the temple. And so they thought, we're, we're still here. But they were just this minor nation being tossed around by all the important nations like Assyria and Egypt. And by this time, especially Babylon. Uh, now I've got this, I'm going to bring some stuff up on the screen and Damien's going to help me because I don't know how to use the clicker like the other guys. Uh, but also it's in your outline, I've put a bit of a table that sets out all the kings during the time of uh, Jeremiah's life. They tended not to last long, so there's quite a few of them. Okay, so Jeremiah was born in the time, as it come up there, of Manasseh. Now if you ever, ever have a son, do not name him Manasseh. Okay, Manasseh is renowned as the most evil king who ever existed in the Bible. So God says he, he is the worst and they had some pretty bad kings and God says Manasseh is the worst. And to grasp how bad he is, what he did was he turned the temple of, of Yahweh, of God, into a place where he went to worship other gods. So he went into the temple and he set up altars to other gods and he set up altars all around Israel to encourage people to worship other gods. And then pagan religion was not just sort of like some nice alternative. It involved all sorts of immorality. When people tell you all religions are the same, they've never read about any religions. So in the pagan religions, it was tied to visiting prostitutes in the temple. And so he had prostitutes in the temple for people to go and visit that was a way of communing with the pagan gods and then at his very worst he started sacrificing people to these gods and sacrificing children to the gods uh, so you you don't have to think very hard to think Manasseh was awful and so at the time of Manasseh God said enough is enough because of the sin of Manasseh and because the nation tolerated it and just accepted it and went along with it God said I am going to judge Judah my nation once and for all but then after Manasseh if we go to our next slide thanks Damien uh, Ammon lasted about a month or two it was a bit like Australian politics in recent years at that time Ammon only lasted a very little while and Josiah became the king and Josiah was eight years old when he became king but he became probably the greatest king other than King David in Israel's history uh, and so the big thing he did was he rediscovered God's word. That, that's how bad things had got, that under Manasseh, people didn't even have, you know, books like Genesis and Deuteronomy and that sort of thing. But Josiah started reforming things. He went into the temple and he tore down all the other altars and he tore down all the, the idols. And as they were doing that, they rediscovered the books of the law, the start of the Old Testament, if you like. And so Josiah tried to reform the whole country and get rid of everything that Manasseh had done and take things back to the way they would be. And he had these big public recommittings where, where the nation got together and agreed that they would worship Yahweh and not Baal or any of these other gods. And it was during that time that Jeremiah was called by God to be his prophet, to speak for God to the people. Uh, in a minute we're going to focus on that call in chapter 1, but I'm still sort of setting the whole scene first of all. So in that time Jeremiah went on like preaching tours around the country because you see in Jerusalem where Josiah the king said we're going to worship Yahweh what do people do yes your majesty of course your majesty but out everywhere else what do they do 
They keep their idols and they keep doing what they want to do and they keep being involved in all the immorality. So Jeremiah went out around, sort of like an ancient Billy Graham, went out around the countryside preaching, repent and turn back and preaching the law of God. And so how do you reckon people reacted to Jeremiah? How do people in our world tend to react to people who say, God is telling me you are wrong? They don't like it. And they didn't like it then, just like they don't like it now. And Jeremiah copped it from every quarter. Uh, So Josiah was a good king, but the nation hadn't changed. And so as Jeremiah preached, you can read about this in chapter 11, for instance, he got death threats, he was uh, accused of things falsely, all sorts of stuff happened. But as soon as Josiah went, they just went back to worshipping idols, practicing immorality and all that stuff. Which then the next king came along, thanks Damien, and his name was Jehoiakim, another bad name to name your son, uh, because Jehoiakim was not as bad as Manasseh, but he tried really hard to be. That's Jehoiakim in in a nutshell. He was hopeless, he was ungodly, and that was actually the worst years of Jeremiah's life. So under Jehoiakim, as Jeremiah just kept preaching what God wanted him to preach, Jehoiakim did awful things to him. Uh, And so in that time, Jeremiah escaped death a number of times just by the skin of his teeth. Uh, He was flogged publicly. Uh, And probably the worst thing and the most famous thing that Jehoiakim is famous for is in chapter 36, where what he did was he got all the writings of Jeremiah. Jeremiah had been going for 20 years by this point. And he got everything that had been written down, all Jeremiah's prophecies, all his poems, all everything else. And he read them out. And then in front of Jeremiah, in front of everyone, he tore them into strips now, I hate it when people tear a book. I, I love books, but our books get printed, you know, in print runs of 20,000 or whatever. So you just go buy another one. This was in the time where everything had to be written out by hand. So this was the copy of the word of God as given to Jeremiah. And this king said, this is what I think of that. And he tore it into strips and threw each strip into the fire to be burnt. And you can imagine what he's saying at that point, isn't he? He is saying, that is what I think of you. Jeremiah and that's what I think of the God you claim to be speaking for Uh, it's a pretty clear statement Uh, in fact during this time it was miraculous and as you read Jeremiah you'll see this was miraculous that Jeremiah survived at all most of the other prophets were killed the other sort of famous prophet who was alongside Jeremiah Uriah he was killed at this time but the thing is Jeremiah somehow outlasted all these kings and they were the ones who were killed each time because pretty soon Jehoiakim thought I'm going to mess with the Babylonians that's what I'm going to do and the Babylonians killed him that's what they did and somewhat confusingly if we go on Jehoiachin took over it's very hard this part of the Bible but anyway he took over but if you blinked you'd miss him because he didn't last very long at all before he was exiled to Babylon they actually looked after him there Jehoiachin sort of remained he did all right for himself if you like in Babylon during that time Jeremiah continues speaking and continues preaching but what the Babylonians did next slide thanks Damien I'm keeping you on your toes there they put in a puppet king called Zedekiah another name not to name your son Uh, and he if the other guys were evil he was stupid that's Zedekiah in a nutshell he was overconfident he was a puppet so the only reason he was king he didn't deserve to be king he wasn't the next in line or anything like that it was the Babylonians said we'll make you king and so blind Freddie could see all right I've got to keep the Babylonians happy if I want to stay in the job someone comes and talks to him from other countries he goes I think I'll rebel against Babylon and so the Babylonians came and instead of just killing him 
because that'd be too easy and too nice they poked out both of his eyes and walked him off to Babylon so Zedekiah didn't end very well for him but again during Zedekiah's time that was the time that it was nearly as bad as under Jehoiakim had to get that right uh, for Jeremiah uh, because at this time what's even worse for a preacher I think than to be flogged or thrown in prison is to have other people who claim to be prophets come and contradict your message all the time and that's what they all these other people rose up and said we're prophets and Jeremiah is wrong and Jeremiah is a fool and why would you listen to Jeremiah and he was kept being accused of being a false prophet the irony of the fact that the one guy in the whole nation who had been faithful for the last 30 years is the false prophet was sort of lost on them but anyway that's what happened uh, so after they poked out his eyes and sent Zedekiah off to Babylon I've got to ask you why does anyone watch tv when you can read this in the bible right? anyway but uh, finally they put a governor in charge with a very unfortunate name for a politician I think get a liar uh, so there you go they said who can we get as governor why don't we get a liar you know the, uh, and ironically he was probably the best leader other than Josiah was Gedaliah uh, and at that time Jeremiah was offered a, a comfortable life off in Babylon it was actually better to be taken in captivity to Babylon you, you'd have food to eat and you'd have a nice life to live there but he said no no no, I'm not leaving Judah even though it was a rabble and even though it was broken and and destroyed uh, but then some smart uh, Israelites decided we'll assassinate Gedaliah so they killed him uh, and then they thought hang on that wasn't very smart because now the Babylonians are going to kill us so they said we're all going to en masse run to Egypt and Jeremiah said I told you not to assassinate Gedaliah I'm not going to Egypt with you but they bundled him up put him on their shoulder and carried him off to Egypt and that is the end of Jeremiah that's the last you hear of Jeremiah he, he went off to Egypt and we never hear any more from him so there you go that's Jeremiah's story what a life hey uh, and really that little summary I think gives us the first lesson we're going to draw from the book of Jeremiah uh, which is to learn from Jeremiah's example so we're going to see this all through the book of Jeremiah uh, but the lesson you learn from his example is be faithful to God and his word even if it makes you unpopular and I don't think there's a much more relevant lesson that Christians need to learn than that one at the moment in our world the way it's going care what God thinks of you don't care what other people think about you don't care what the Sydney Morning Herald thinks about you don't think about what social media thinks about you care what does God and his word think about you that is one lesson we're going to get time and time again as we look through Jeremiah because there were all these other prophets who were willing to change the word of God to fit in with the people there are all these other prophets who are willing to preach what all the itching ears wanted to hear just like today there are loads of preachers who are willing to preach what itching ears want to hear but what God wants is people who stick to his word and preach it faithfully and won't change it for anyone and as I say I can't help but think that's a pretty relevant message for Christians today but anyway hopefully you found that history a bit interesting but I've printed that table on your outline so you can take it home and use it as you're reading through Jeremiah one of the problems with Jeremiah it sounded wrong but anyway you know what I mean one of the issues that makes it hard is it's not necessarily written chronologically 
And so you've got to watch for when it says this was in the time of King Zedekiah, then go to your table and see what was happening at that time and that'll help you read it. But anyway, I've printed it there so you can have a look at it and each week I'll point out which king is in charge and what that means and all that sort of thing. But now we're going to go back and see where it started for Jeremiah. So come back with me to Jeremiah chapter 1, turn to chapter 1 verse 4. Here was Jeremiah sitting minding his own business in Anathoth when verse 4 it says the word of the Lord came to me and God said to him by the way when it says the word of the Lord came to me it doesn't mean oh there's a bible next to me it means there was God talking to him uh, and God said to him Jeremiah I chose you before I formed you in the womb I set you apart before you were born I appointed you a prophet to the nations this is a pretty incredible thing for God to say to someone isn't it before you were even born I planned you I set you apart and I in particular had this job in mind for you you were going to be my voice not just to Israel and Judah but to the whole world to all the nations now that is a specific word to Jeremiah as you read it there that is not God saying to you that's the task I've given you Uh, it's a word to Jeremiah I have prepared you for this task for this life but even so the New Testament says something similar to every Christian doesn't it and we read it in Romans chapter 8 before like Romans 8 29 I think I've printed on your outline I have where it says for those God foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son See, what that tells you is, for Christians, you are not some afterthought in God's mind. And, and so God is not just sort of thinking, oh, now I might save that person and then they might sneak into heaven, you know, or something like that. No, no, God chose you, he knew you before you were born and he predestined you and chose you, not just to become a Christian, but to then be conformed to the likeness of Christ, of his son. Before the beginning of creation, God had you in mind. We looked at this doctrine in Ephesians last term, didn't we? Uh, And it can be a doctrine that can sometimes make us question. We can say, how can that be? How can God have predestined me and how yet I'm responsible for my decisions? But God tells us this to comfort us. That's the point of it. It's to comfort us, just like he was comforting Jeremiah. He's saying, I am in control. Whatever happens... A person who trusts in Jesus can know that God has chosen you and God has saved you and God will continue his good work in you. But for Jeremiah, he thought, hang on a second, me, God's prophet to the nations. Look at verse 6. It says, but I protested, oh no, Lord God, look, look, I don't know how to speak since I'm only a youth. Uh, He wasn't trying to get out of it, by the way. It wasn't like Moses. You know how Moses tried to get out and said, oh, but I've got a stutter and oh but I couldn't possibly speak Jeremiah was literally a youth if he had been a part of our church he would have been in that video before (laughs) so our teenagers here watch out you you know God might give you a job Um, Jeremiah was a teenager when God said this to him so he was actually just stating a fact I'm a teenager surely there's a 40 year old that can do this You, you, you know And even though we haven't received a specific calling like Jeremiah, we can be like that with what you might call our general calling as Christians, can't we? I know myself, and I know in conversations with many of you here, 
Many times I hear people say, who am I to share the truth of God's word with that person? Surely there's someone better at it than me. Who am I to, to be the person who speaks God's word to those people? Surely there, there, there's people here who have been to more college, they should do it. Or there's people here who are older than me, they should do it. But do you notice how God doesn't answer Jeremiah by saying, oh no, don't worry Jeremiah, you don't understand, you are a particularly talented teenager. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, oh, you're actually, Jeremiah, you're underselling yourself. You're really impressive. People will love you. God does not answer Jeremiah's concerns. You notice that? Now, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for you will go to everyone I send you to. That is tough love, I reckon. He said, you will, you'll do it because I've told you to. You will go to everyone I send you to, and you'll speak whatever I tell you. But then he says the word of comfort. He says, do not be afraid of anyone, for I will be with you to deliver you. This is the Lord's declaration. See, God doesn't say, oh, Jeremiah, actually, you're underselling yourself. You'll be great. God says, however weak you are, I am with you. And I have said you can do this, so do it. And I hope you see the point. I think so often we ask the wrong question. We ask questions like, am I able to do this? Am I the right person to do this? The, the question should be, what does God want me to do? That's the question. What does God want me to do? And what really matters is the promise, I will be with you as you do it. And so to us, God has said to every Christian in the scriptures, I know you don't think you're very good with words. I know you think there are other people who are better at it than you. But I want you to speak the truth of my word to other people. If you're a Christian, God has made that calling on you. I want you to speak the truth of my word to other people. And I want you to stand up and be counted for me and my word, even when it's unpopular. And even when other people don't like what you've got to say. But like to Jeremiah in the New Testament, he promises, I am with you. And by the way, in that promise, he wasn't promising Jeremiah an easy life. He was actually promising Jeremiah a hard life. He copped it from every side, physically, emotionally, everything. But through it all, Jeremiah knew God was with him. And so his job was, be faithful. And that's a lesson every Christian needs to learn. But then what comes next, I think, must have blown Jeremiah's mind. Look at verse 9. It says, Then the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth, and told me, I have now filled your mouth with my words. I don't know how that happened because God is spirit uh, and I don't know, I think it must have been a vision, mustn't it? It must have been that he, what he visualised to be God in a vision touched his mouth but he understood it. This was God saying to him, whatever happens, the words you are speaking are my words. And so if you think a little bit about that, he sort of, God is saying to Jeremiah, don't you dare change them, don't you dare preach a different message, you preach the message I give you. And so every time Jeremiah had one of those moments of doubt, you know, when you're there being flogged, you think, maybe I didn't have to say that. Maybe I should have done what all those other guys did and just changed it and, and said what everyone wants to hear as they burnt his scrolls, as they mocked him. Why don't I just lie? Why don't I just say what they want me to say? Why don't I do that thing that modern Christians will be good at in about 2,500 years of sort of saying the truth in such a way that people don't understand it and so don't take offense but he didn't he just said the word of God 
And I think he could do that because of this promise. He would have thought back to this moment and remembered, who am I to speak anything other than the words that God has put in my mouth? My calling is to be faithful to God, not popular with people. And the words God gave Jeremiah to share were not easy words. Look at verse 10. It's like a summary of what he's going to preach. It says, See, I have appointed you today over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and demolish. And then a little bit of hope on the end, to build and to plant. See, a lot of Jeremiah's preaching was going to be about judgment. He was going to warn the nations and Judah that God's judgment was coming. And so they needed to repent if they wanted to find forgiveness. And so to reinforce the point, God gave him two more visions. Come with me now to verses 11 and 12. First is there in verse 11, the word of the Lord came to him and said, What do you see, Jeremiah? And he replied, I see a branch of an almond tree. We go, what does that mean? What's that about? And it means nothing to us. But apparently, if you went to Anathoth today, or where Anathoth was, it's got a different name now, but if you went there, there are almond trees everywhere. And at the end of winter, when all the trees have no leaves on them and no flowers, the first tree to blossom is the almond tree. And it's sort of like saying spring is here. And that's the point God is making. God says, my word is like that. Look at verse 12. It says, the Lord said to me, you've seen correctly when you saw the almond tree, for I watch over my word to accomplish it. Seems like God is saying, my word will come true at the right time. Even when it looks like it's just a stick, the, the flowers will blossom. People will scoff at you, Jeremiah. People will say, where is this judgment of God you talk about? But as sure as the blossoms arrive of the almond branch, as sure as they arrive, my word will come true. Just like people today will scoff at you and say, where is this Jesus who you worship? And you talk about him coming back to judge the living and the dead. Well, he hasn't come back for 2,000 years. Why not just live however you want? God says, I have promised it. I watch over my word to accomplish it. But then the second vision, a little more dark and scary. Look at verse 13. It says, again, the word of the Lord came to me inquiring, what do you see? And I replied, I see a boiling pot, its lip tilted from the north to the south. Then the Lord said to me, disaster will be poured out from the north on all who live in the land. You can read the rest, but go down to verse 16. He says, I'll pronounce my judgments against them for all the evil they did when they abandoned me to burn incense to other gods and to worship the works of their own hands. Something really interesting there. That actually explains to us the essence of sin in that verse. What did God judge his people for in that verse? They had done awful things. They had been off with temple prostitutes. They sacrificed children to Molech. But what is the essence of sin? It's to turn away from the one true God and worship someone else or something else. Sometimes people say to me, oh, are people, is sin really that bad? And, and you know, that, all they've done is this and they've lived a pretty good life and, and they haven't done lots of bad stuff. And, and so do we really believe that without Jesus' death on their behalf, they'll be facing God's judgment? Well, there is your answer. The most horrible thing a person can do in God's eyes is to say to the creator, I would rather worship the creation than worship you. And just in case you think our society doesn't have a lot of idols, we just don't make ours out of stone and wood. 
our idols or our bank account or what people think of us on Facebook or all those other things. We worship idols. And so we need to repent like they do. And that is why every person on earth needs the salvation that can only be found in Christ because we are all under the judgment of God for failing to worship our creator. So that was the message Jeremiah had to preach. Judgment against God's people because they had rejected God and his word and refused to turn back despite all the warnings. And we'll think about that message in the chapters to to come but as I finish I want to focus on Jeremiah and I do want to say is it any wonder they didn't like him in his message? No one has ever liked being told you're out of step with God, you're facing his judgment, you need to repent. They didn't like it then and they don't like it now. And so the final part of Jeremiah's call is actually a call to stick with it and do it right so come with me just for the final three verses 17 to 19 and it's really interesting God doesn't mollycoddle Jeremiah someone asked me what that means this morning but I think you you get the point God doesn't say oh Jeremiah stick with it And, and God is really hard on Jeremiah look at verse 17 he says now get ready stand up and tell them everything that I command you do not be intimidated by them and I expect God to say there because I will look after you or because I'm more powerful than them but what does God actually say to Jeremiah do not be intimidated by them or I will cause you to cower before them that is tough love from God isn't it but just reminds us God's going to get God doesn't leave it there God gives an incredible word of comfort in a moment but it just reminds us God is not interested in people who say to bring it forward to our situation God is not interested in people who say I'm with Jesus and then refuse to be counted with Jesus once any sort of opposition or any sort of trouble comes. God is not interested in people who deny him or who are ashamed of him. You can't help but think of Jesus' words to us in Mark 8 38. I think I put them on your outline look with me. It says for whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation the son of man that's what Jesus called himself The son of man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his father and with the holy angels. Please hear the warning that Jeremiah heard there. We are saved by faith in Christ. Like I said before, grace alone, faith alone. But faith means standing up with Jesus. Even when other people don't like what Jesus has to say. Do not claim to be a follower of Jesus if you are not willing to stand up and say I am a follower of Jesus even when people don't like it and if you're not willing to stand up and say I agree with his word even when people don't like it but that hard word comes with an even stronger word of comfort because God promises that he has strengthened Jeremiah to stand and so in verse 19 he says they will fight against you but they will never prevail over you since I am with you to rescue you and again we are not Jeremiah's But I can't help but think of the wonderful promise Jesus makes to us at the end of Matthew's gospel when Jesus says your job as Christians is to go and share the gospel with the whole world but then he says and remember I am with you always to the very end of the age. See that's the promise we have in scripture. Well that's our introduction to Jeremiah. Uh, I hope you go ahead and read before next week Uh, but to finish I just want to say we need to remember that even though none of us has had a calling like Jeremiah God has given each of us a message to share with our world. But it's not a specific message to you, it's the same message we all have. 
to share with our world. We have the news to share that even though we all deserve God's judgment, the boiling pot from the north, even so God has sent his son to take that judgment for us in his death on the cross. And so we share by God's grace, we have a better word to share with our world than Jeremiah ever had. Trust in Jesus, believe in him and his death on your behalf and you can know God not as your judge but as your father and your saviour. That is the greatest news ever and that is the news that God has said to us, I want you to share that with this world. But as great as it is, we can be scared to share it, can't we? We can be like Jeremiah and say, but I am only a youth. There are better people than me to share it. And God says to us, yeah, but you're the one who knows them. So you share it with them. And we can be tempted to stay silent. And so like Jeremiah, we need that reminder, stand firm. Keep trusting Jesus and he will be with us always to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for... First of all, the example of Jeremiah, of faithfulness, even in the face of oppression and persecution. And we pray that even in our small ways, uh, we might stand as faithful followers of Jesus, whatever people think or whatever people say. But more than anything, we thank you for the way Jeremiah teaches us that your judgment does come on those who reject you, but you offer forgiveness and grace and hope to those who turn in repentance to Jesus and find that forgiveness he offers. And we pray that we would take our task of preaching that message to the world that so desperately needs to hear it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.